I'm reading from the book of John, and just a few verses. If you have your Bibles, we are reading in text from chapter 20, verse 19. I don't know, I might just sing through the whole sermon. I'm going to pause and just sing a little bit, and I'll preach a little bit, and we'll just sing a little bit. There'll be time, it's not going to rain. There's bicycles being given away right now in the kids' worship center. There's joyful activity going on. We just might sing. We'll just be singing our way home. He didn't leave you stranded. He didn't, you didn't just come here by yourself. He drew you so you could be healed and delivered and restored and helped. Because he loves you and he's good to you. Are you ready? Verse 19. John 20, then the same day at evening being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled because they were afraid of the Jews that had just crucified Jesus. So they closed the door so no one could get in. Jesus appeared. He stood in the midst of them. No reference that he walked through the door. In fact, implied that he appeared without entry. And he said, peace be unto you. Now that's what you do when you appear in rooms that are closed. You say, don't, don't get afraid. It didn't work. Because <laughs> the remaining says they were still afraid. Let, go down to verse 24 because I've, I've got to get to the word here. But Thomas was late for church. And he didn't see the miracle of the Lord's appearing without entry of a door. It's what happens when you come late. You don't have faith. Because if you saw the miracle, then you wouldn't ask for all this other stuff. Amen. That was for free. I just threw that in. It wasn't even in my notes, but it just felt good while I said it. And the other disciples said to him, we've seen the Lord. But he said, well, hold on. I didn't see him. And except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails. And put my finger into the print of the nails. And then thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within. And Thomas was with them. Eight days later, and Jesus came, the doors being shut. Hmm. Now it appears that this is how he arrives. Hyperbold into rooms that are closed and stood in the midst of them. And here he is again. Don't be afraid. Peace be unto you. Then he saith to Thomas, which I love this. Reach hither thy finger. Behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into the side and believe just for a moment I'm preaching and singing the things Jesus 
kept. Amen. And everybody said amen. Now turn your neighbor and just smile and show them all of your beautiful teeth. And then you may be seated. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. Come on, help me say, He saved me. He saved me. He saved me. He saved me. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? I got to talk a little bit, then we'll get back to something. Uh, the Forbes um, database and analysis, they track this, and, and each year they track the, the national statistics. So last year was 79%, but this year it's 80% of adults in the United States are going to observe this year Easter. Um, I followed that research up and looked at Wycliffe. They details the countries, all the countries that do the same thing. They celebrate and observe Easter. It's a worldwide celebration uh, with some exceptions, obviously. There are symbolisms and traditions depending on the culture. There are references in public arenas, some in governments. There are a few countries that publicly reenact reenact the Lord's crucifixion. Men walking down streets with crosses and self-inflicted wounds. The list is lengthy. I cannot say that any one of us who might occupy a pulpit today might discover some unknown truth that has not yet been seen. The subject today is before us. It's glaring and Even people that are unbelievers know of it. But I do believe that the Lord spoke to me concerning our lives on this Easter morning. There's a small intersection of scripture that grips me when Jesus saw the people. The Bible says he was moved with compassion. The middle of Celebrations and customs and ceremonies, something was missing and Jesus took notice and he was moved. Something about that. Because when all this day is over, everyone's going to return to the grind on the issues that confronted them even yesterday. So... Today, while we rejoice, we must also take note of the heart of the Lord and his life-changing power. It's found in his name, Jesus, and in his blood. The word Easter is mentioned once in the scripture. It was the Passover. I'll, I'll speak of it, that 
it speaks of, of Peter when, when he was captured, he was put in prison. There were soldiers guarding him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. It's a reference to Peter's impending death, which of course did not happen. It did not occur. The Lord saved him. The reference was referring to the Passover, which is the more precise and proper mention of today. The Passover was the pivot point, a crossing point, much like the River Jordan, which had held great significance in all the scripture. Both of those moments, the Passover and the Jordan River, spoke of transitions and movements in ministries and in nations and peoples. Perhaps in a more simplistic way, this weekend is the commemorative time, not only of his resurrection, but all of the last seven days and what it meant in his life and death. We pause for it because indeed it is the moment of our redemption. But we also remember that the Lord did suffer. He rose from the grave because he was crucified and had to be put in the grave. He was crucified because he gave himself for us. As Believers here in this room, we must account for his life and his mission. And then we have to think of our own calling, our own mission. And I'll challenge you for a moment to push aside whatever trivial thing that consumes your mind. And just pause and consider the purpose of your life and the work of his kingdom. Now this ought not be news to anyone, but the world as you know it will not stay the same. We're not going back to wherever we came from. There is an end coming to all that we once knew. There is also another resurrection coming. Jesus will appear in the eastern sky. He will set down his foot on the same mountain from which he ascended. When the last trump of God shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first, the Bible says, the earth will lose its preserving power. The salt will be gone. We are the salt. And that resurrection is predicated on his resurrection. That day gives understanding to this day. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And... and One of the great reasons why we've assembled here today is not just to celebrate his resurrection, but we're looking forward to our resurrection. And we used to sing about it, and I've got to just sing it today. We used to say, some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air. You can give me a key that's comfortable. That's good too. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air. Coming after you and me, joy is ours to share. What rejoicing there will be when the saints shall rise. Headed for that jubilee yonder in the sky. Oh, what singing. Oh, what shouting. On that happy morning when we all shall rise. Oh, what glory. Savior in but come on let's do that oh what singing oh what shouting on that happy morning when we all shall rise 
Oh, what glory. Hallelujah. When we meet our blessed Savior in the skies. Watch. Seems now I almost see all the sainted dead. Rising for that jubilee that is just ahead. In the twinkling of an eye, change with them to be. All the living saints to fly to that jubilee. Say, oh, what singing? Oh, what shouting? On that happy morning when we all shall rise. Oh, what glory. Hallelujah. When we meet our blessed Savior. Come on, help me. Say, oh, what singing? Oh, what shouting on that happy morning when we all shall rise. Oh, what glory. Hallelujah. When we meet our blessed Savior. I got this. Some glad morning we shall see Jesus in the air. Coming after you and me, joy is ours to share. What rejoicing there will be when the saints shall rise. For that jubilee yonder in the skies. Oh, what singing! Oh, what shouting! On that happy morning when we all shall rise. Oh, what glory! Hallelujah! When we meet our blessed Savior in the sky. All right. I'm just, I'm just working myself up. I'm feeling good about Easter day because this is a resurrection day. It's time for us to get up because we're going to rise up. We're just going to practice a little praise and worship because someday we're going to gather around the throne and we're going to worship the Lord for 10,000s of years. I am in consideration of the basics, even the basic life of Jesus Christ. And scouring through the scriptures, we're we're only given glimpses, a few moments of his time, his birth. A momentary scene of Joseph and Mary in the temple. Quickly move ahead to a 12-year-old Jesus teaching in the same place. And then leaping forward 18 more years at a family friend's wedding in Cana. And then the next moment, it looks like we find him entering the ministry realm of his cousin John the Baptist. And then being baptized of John. And affirmations and confirmations and exampleship all being found there. Entering the Jordan River, and he looks like those that are with him. He he grows up in a small outlying city of Nazareth. In fact, among all the people that were around him, families and friends and and other members of his city, his small town, there's no distance from him to them. The Bible says even that he was made in the likeness of men. He looks like every other Jewish boy. As a rabbi, however, Jesus becomes more recognizable. He's, he's easily seen as a leader, teacher, scholar, 
He stands out among the Pharisees. Then in those days, they were astounded at him because he rises among the most learned of men. The scripture says in Matthew 7, he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He's teaching from the very book that the spirit, his spirit, inspired. Of course, every author has a relationship with his own word. But among his disciples, both men and women, Jesus was known and seen. He had friends all over the place. In Bethany, there were good friends, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. He stayed in the house of Peter. He was familiar with John Mark's mother and many more. They recognized him because he was with them. They knew him. He was common among them. In some instances, it caused trouble. We know you. We, we know your father, your mother. We know all of your brothers and sisters. But upon his crucifixion, having gone through the horrid scenes, having been beaten by many soldiers and men, and then scourged, and then stripped, and then laid down, and nailed to a cross, the image of Jesus changes. Isaiah wrote of it. As many as were astonished or astonished at the, his visage, speaking of Jesus, was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. I'll read it from another version Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. When Jesus died on the cross, he no longer looked like the man they knew. Both from prophetic writings and the Bible's own description and then the commentaries of Flavius Josephus. The defacement of the crucified Christ changed his appearance. Some have written that his gait or his walk was different. Some say the shape of his body was not the same. But all wrote that his facial structure had had changed. They that once knew him from afar off. No longer recognized him from afar off. Those 72 72 hours changed both the course of history and the, the facial recognition of Jesus Christ. John writes of Mary Magdalene. He says of her that she has come to the tomb. The stone has been rolled away and the Lord's body is missing. And Mary Magdalene is weeping. She's crying at the, at her lost opportunity to anoint her most precious Lord. Spices in the dark. She weeps also perhaps in his absence, just that his body is gone, the emptiness of it all, the futility of it. Jesus himself then greets her, but she does not recognize him. He speaks to her, John 20, and when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have been born him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. If you moved him, just let me know. 
He didn't look like the Jesus she once knew. There was no recognition. The cross, his suffering, had changed him enough that it took several moments of him speaking before she acknowledged who he was. Jesus left so many things behind. His burial was the finality of his flesh and also the man that she knew. He left so many things. Look again at John 21. The disciples, fishermen by trade, had decided to go fishing again. The Lord has already been crucified. The resurrection was over, but I suppose without purpose, they all just climbed back into a boat to gather up their empty ambition. They entered that boat in the evening, but caught nothing. The morning was finally come, and they were nearing very close to the shoreline. They're so close that Jesus speaks to them from the shoreline. They see him, but they do not recognize him. I'll read it to you. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, children, have ye any meat? They answered, no. And then he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. They cast therefore and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. It was the command, ladies and gentlemen, the familiarity of the command that caught their attention. It was not his appearance. At the command of of Jesus, Peter said, it is Jesus. He didn't look like he used to look. Something about him, the voice maybe, but the image surely was not the same. The cross and the grave, the beatings and the whip, the whip took something out of him. Now look again at the scripture. It's Luke's account in his self-titled gospel, Luke chapter 24. Two disciples are walking home, a husband and a wife, no doubt. They live in a place called Emmaus. It's a nine-mile trek from the inner city of Jerusalem back home. The sun is up and the day is clear and they are bewildered at what they had just seen. The master, their master, their rabbi is dead and gone. All those miracles and revealed truths and What was it all for? They killed him. They buried his body in a borrowed tomb. And then Jesus, as they're walking, appears to those two people walking back home. And he walks with them. But they do not recognize him. See, they knew Jesus before the crucifixion. They were, as the Bible states, his disciples. They had eaten with him, broke bread at the same table with him. They had seen his wonders and heard his parables and his teaching. But something was different the day they walked with the Lord. The whole day. But they did not know that this was Jesus, their master, their rabbi, their teacher, their friend. It wasn't until he was gone that they said of Jesus and of their journey, Didn't our hearts burn within us? While he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened up the scriptures, didn't our hearts burn within us? Wasn't there something about that man? They had been telling Jesus of himself the whole way, but they didn't recognize him. Jesus had asked him, hey, what are you all talking about? What happened? And Cleopas said to Jesus, here's your Bible. Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast thou not known the things which are come to pass there in that city in these days? And he, being Jesus, said unto them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. Either Jesus did not allow them to recognize him or he looked and sounded so differently 
than before that they just could not see who he really was. Jesus had changed. His body was not yet glorified, but his image was certainly not the same. Whatever he left in the tomb, it was buried, never to be seen again. Even the man that he used to be, it was there, gone, buried forever in the grave. Look again, here's your Bible. It's our text. Jesus has appeared to his disciples in a room, but Thomas was not present when the Lord came. So in response to the Lord's appearance, Thomas replies, I I won't believe it unless I see him with my own eyes and I've got to touch him. But his eyes still could not grasp that this indeed and in fact was and is the resurrected Savior. Jesus was the Savior. He is the victor over the grave. Jesus is the incarnate God, the Lion of Judah. He is the self-proclaimed, I am that I am. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. He is risen and power and authority. He said, in fact, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of death and hell. I have it all. But Thomas couldn't grasp that. Thomas said, I've got, I've got to see him and touch him for myself. And Jesus is standing there and changed look. Maybe the sound of his voice has changed. We do not know. Maybe the way he walked, we do not know. But for certain, Jesus did not appear the way he appeared just a handful of days earlier. The cross and all that led to it, when they plunged him into the earth and kept him in in a prison of earth and then beat him all the way, the bloody trail all the way from the praetorium to the foot of Golgotha. They disfigured his frame with precise skill, precision. The Roman soldier beat him right up to the brink of his life. They stripped him. They put a robe on him. And then when the blood had dried, they ripped off the robe and they plunged a crown of thorns into his brow. Isaiah Wrote so aptly, his form unlike any man, marred, a lamb to the slaughter. He gave no self-defense. He had no beauty. There was no comeliness that we would ever desire him. They would turn away, the Bible says, in horror, rather than view his mangled body. He didn't even look like a man. All the people that knew him in his past, just a handful of days prior, now they, they seemed not to know him or even recognize his voice. Maybe they perceive him or find his command familiar. They may desert him by some instruction or maybe a sensation, but something is missing. He has let go of so many things, even human recognition and human traits. But there are some things, ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus kept. Some things Jesus did not let go of. Acts chapter 1 states that he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs being seen to them 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Undeniable proofs, miraculous moments left undone, not described by the biblical writers, just grouped together as undeniable. 40 days of mind-bending evidences which gave witness to his authenticity. He confirmed himself with evidence of who he was to them. The change from the cross to the present 
could not be denied. His lordship could not be refuted. So much has changed, and yet there were a few things that Jesus kept. Power? Yes. Authority? Yes. Revelation and wonders? Yes. But upon review, when Thomas asked for a demonstration that this was indeed the same Jesus, the same Lord, his same rabbi, the master, that's when the Lord stretched out his hands and presented his side and said to Thomas, put your finger in the hole of my hands. Thrust your whole hand into the gaping hole of my side. This is what the Lord spoke to me about today. I cannot tell you of all the things that Jesus buried that day. I knew a, I know a few of them. They are my sins. He buried them. He wiped them away. He took all of your infractions, all of your many failures, and he buried them. And they're never getting up again. I cannot tell you all the things that Jesus buried. And I can't even tell you all the things that he kept. But I do know that Jesus kept the wounds Resurrected in power, but he kept the nail prints and he kept the hole in his side. Healed, but revealed. They were settled, but they were present. With all the power and authority of the Lord to rise again and exercise dominion over the grave, Jesus kept the wounds because they were in fact his identification to the unbeliever. (laughs) To Thomas and to us. Our resurrected Savior kept some things. He kept the nail prints. He kept the hole where the spear had wounded his side. And the early believers knew the beauty of those wounds. The things he kept gave them a privilege unlike anything that could ever be attained. It's how all of us can come boldly before his throne. His wounds. His demeanor. His disposition. How can that be? How is it that any one of us can now come boldly before the throne of God after thousands of years being hid behind a veil, even though the veil was torn? Who would journey into the throne room of God with all of our flaws and hypocrisies and personal issues and hidden structures, even our self-justification and righteousness, which the Bible calls equivalent to dirty rags. How can it be that any one of us, what gives us the privilege to approach the throne of the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, immutable king of all kings? The book of Hebrews calls it out. Hebrews chapter four tells us. The book of Hebrews four tells us we don't have a high priest that's cold and indifferent. Our high priest is not like a wooden artifact or some stone lifeless God. He's not corrupt. He's not, he's not angry with us, but our high priest is touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he was tempted. He was wounded. He was tried. He was tested and what he kept gives us access. Here's your Bible. For we have not a high priest. It's a double negative. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. That means we have a high priest. He's touched. 
He's moved. He feels you. He knows your hurt and your pain. He kept the wounds in his hand and in his side. I don't know all the things that he buried, but I can rise to say today, Jesus kept some things and what he kept is going to give you access. And here's the next verse. So let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and the help and time of need because he can feel us. Because he kept something for you that gives you access. He kept something that gives you access. He did not leave behind the feeling of our infirmities. And he did not leave behind his blood. He kept his wounds and he kept his blood. Here's your book of Revelation 19. And I saw heaven open. And behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness He doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Here it is. And he was clothed with a a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. In his earthly life, ladies and gentlemen, he gave us love. He walked in love. He fed the multitude in love. In his earthly life, he proved something to us. And he kept something even after that life. He showed us great love and great mercy. He looked on you even before you you knew him. He died for you. While he was on the cross, you were on his mind. Even while the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You're living today, but he died then because he knew today was coming. He loved you in this life. And in his death, he paid the price for our sin. In his death, he died so that we don't have to struggle. And he canceled out all of the death. It was a price that you could not pay. His death paid the price of sin that you were unable to pay. Because he had perfect blood. You were not redeemed with gold or silver. From the vain conversation and tradition from the father. But the Bible says you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. He was a lamb without blemish and without spot. And in the grave... He buried your past in the grave. You might still remember a little bit of those haunting memories. But in the grave, he buried your past. You might remember, but he cannot remember because he buried your past. Everything that used to be is now buried. And Romans says, chapter 6, we are buried with Christ in baptism. That just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father... Jesus called it the promise of the Father. Same thing. Promise of the Father, the glory of the Father, that's the Holy Ghost. Just as Jesus, that body was raised up from the dead by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Even so also, we're going to be raised up from our past life by the Holy Spirit. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. (laughs) He kept something for you. He's not a far off God. He's a right now God. He's not a God that can't feel you. He knows what you're going through. He's a right time, right now Savior. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freed me forever. One day he's coming back, a glorious day.
be something changing in my life. I got to have some change in my life. There's only one way. It's got to come through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me just share with you the gospel. Here's the gospel. Paul wrote, I want to remind you of the gospel, which I preach to you. Here's the gospel. It will never change how that Jesus died, how he was buried, how he rose again on the third day. Jesus said, except you believe the gospel, you'll all die in your sins. So how do I believe? He said, you have to obey the gospel. How do I obey the gospel? I got to die to my past life. That's repentance. I've got to repent. Jesus said, except you repent, you'll all die. You got to repent. Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. The Bible says this. We got to repent. That means turn away. That just doesn't mean I'm sorry. That means I'm turning away. I'm going to find a new path. He was buried. We are buried. The Bible says we're buried by baptism into death. When you're baptized in the name above all names, this is the Bible, in the name of Jesus, because Peter said, repent, Acts 2, 38, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And then he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And when you rise with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, there's only one spirit. When the spirit makes his investment in you, you're going to have power. You might struggle a little bit in this life, but let me tell you, he is touched with your infirmities and he knows everything you're going through. He's, he's saying, come on, everybody, come with me, come with me in death, get in the water of baptism and you can rise as a new brand new person. It's new life. Today is new life. It's resurrection Sunday. I'm just gonna sing. Living, he loved me. <laughs> Dying, he sent me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Sin, rising, he justified to read me forever. One day he's coming back. Okay. I need a little help. Uh, I need a little vocal. I need a little vocal help here. We're just gonna sing our way. I'd like to. I'd like to sing my way right into heaven. If he so wants to come. Are you ready? Everybody, come on, stand with me. He'll say, living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. I, I got the verse. One day when heaven was filled with his praises. One day when sin was as black as it could be. Jesus came forth. He was born of a virgin. Dwelt among men. My example is he. Watch us. One day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on a tree. Suffering and anguish he was despised and rejected. Bearing our sins. My redeemer is he. Oh, living he
be remiss not to take the moment to start brand new today. And if you need to start brand new today, this is going to be the first day of your life. And when you get done with this moment, I'm going to say happy new year. It's a new day. It's a new time. So if you want to change something in your life and you know that the Lord needs to help you, or if you've come in here and you need a healing, there are nail prints in his hands. There is a wound in his side. The blood is still present. His vesture is forever dipped in blood. He's ready to provide your healing. I'm just inviting anyone who needs a healing, a restoration to this front. I'm going to sing and you're going to come. And when you come, you just lift up your hands and say, Lord, I'm ready for a change right now today. I'm ready for, please make a difference in my life. I've got to have some help. Come on, if wherever you are, just step out and say, today I need a healing for my body. I need a change for my life. Are you ready? Living, he loves.